If you have your copy of God's Word, we're going to be turning to the Old Testament, to the Psalm book. And uh, the children are going to run off to Children's Church, and they're going to open God's Word and hear Him speak as well. So if you're turning in your Bibles to Psalm 62, if you don't have a Bible this morning, please grab one in the pew rack there. That's what they're there for. We want everyone to have their heart open before the Word of the Lord, because we believe God speaks. And when He speaks, it's written so that our hearts and our minds might know who He is and what He's like and what He's done, so that we might trust and place our faith in Him. This is the last day of our sermons on the series on the attributes of God and a few of His names. And and what we've learned this year is there's a God that is worthy to trust in. He is worthy for you to place your faith in. I know in a new year, how do you enter into a new year? Now some of y'all think, according to the southern tradition, you start the new year with black eyed peas, right? Well, that's if you want a year of prosperity, but it won't work, they say, unless you uh, eat your greens and have your cornbread and, uh, and your pork. All those things are required as well. And may I say, um, that's at least what they say will make it stick. I trust you, the cornbread sticks to you. That's what I've discovered as I've gotten older. But I'm not talking today about how you enter 2024 according to a southern tradition, but according to a biblical tradition. It's what the Word of God tells us. And the way you enter each and every day is looking and trusting in the God who loves us and gave his son for us and has given us precious promises to believe in. And every new year, there's a new chapter before us. It's kind of like a new book and there's new beginnings, there's new opportunities for some, new adventures, new relationships. And it's exciting. It's an exciting time. And and, and there's also new experiences that aren't always so exciting. Things that are going to happen that we weren't expecting and yet... That's why we have to face it, trusting in the God who holds that future in his hands. I mean, he's written all of your days, all of my days in a book, according to Psalm 139. We're going to live every one of them to the fullest. Amen. Trusting in him, walking with him, resting in him. And there's one constant for us as we face this new year that's before us. And that is the unchanging God who's in control of all things. Who's spoken an unchanging word that you and I can believe in. And that's what he invites us to do. You can trust in him. Now here's the thing. Why did we study the attributes of God? Well, Because you can't trust in someone you don't know. You, you can't trust in someone you don't know. But God revealed himself as we study the attributes all year. He revealed himself and shows us just who he is and why he is worthy of our trust. And some will say, but, but why should I trust in him? Not only does he reveal who he is, but he's shown us what he's able to do. All of this is recorded, listen, not just as a history lesson. This is recorded for you and for me so that we might have faith and we might trust in him. And it just makes sense. Faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The word of God. God speaks and you and I take him at his word and we put our trust in what God has revealed both about himself and about what he's able to do. We walk by faith, not by sight. We hear, we we don't see, our God is not seen, our God is heard. And he speaks a living word to us today. And and as we face a a year ahead of us, we may not know what lies ahead. I know the Deagle prospects are grim, right? But Deagle doesn't know the future, our God does. 
I know there's some who are concerned about the future leadership of our nation and the course of our nation. I'm concerned about that. Everyone should be concerned about that. But here's the reality. No individual, no party is going to fix it, though I can recommend some who can make it better than others. Just see me later, and I'll help you with that this year. Our God is the one who can fix it. Our God is the only one that brings salvation and brings hope and can bring us deliverance. And we need to trust by him. But believers, we walk by faith. We trust in this God who reveals himself to us. And we know that he is an unchanging God and is giving us a sure, unchanging word so that you and I can put our faith and trust in him. And when David writes this song, he's going through an experience in his life where he is driven to trust in God and to rest in him. He is the only sure refuge for David. And David's going to tell you and tell me, God is the only sure refuge for us in life. If I depend on, depend on someone else, if I depend on something else that's an idol, and it's a faulty refuge, it will not ultimately deliver me. So many trust in their possessions or their positions. And and what they fail to realize is this. This is the question before us today. In whom am I trusting? Because David's going to say, you and I must trust in God alone. In fact, take your Bibles. I want you to stand. We're going to read these verses. I'm going to go down through verse 8, but I'll preach all the way to verse 12 this morning. In Psalm 62, find your place there and follow along with me. And I'll highlight some things as we go along this morning. But I want you to hear, listen, this is why our God is one we should trust in. He, he prepares us for the real world around us. And what he will give you is remarkable hope, unshakable hope. If we'll trust in what he reveals about himself. Truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. Now notice this. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you attack a man? You shall be slain all of you like a leaning wall in a tottering fence. They Only consult to cast him down from his high position. They delight in lies and bless with their mouth. And they curse inwardly. My soul waits silently for God. Notice this. Alone. For my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Father, may we rest for a moment. Selah means pause, rest, contemplate, think about what was just sung, what was just read. God, you and you alone, you only are a sure refuge, a source of salvation, a source of deliverance, a source of strength. God, etch that on our minds. Chisel that on our hearts. God, unite faith to what we read today so that we will choose to believe what David is telling us, what you are revealing about yourself. For Father, there is before us a future that is uncertain, but in your hands it is promised to be for our good and for your glory. And thank you that I can entrust my future to you 
And know that God, you sincerely, genuinely have my best interest at heart. And Lord, you will work things together for your glory. And then, Lord, may we aspire and desire that in all things that we may face in an upcoming year. God, I thank you that in our study this year, you have shown us you are a God that is worthy to trust in. And how I pray, Father, for those before me, those watching online or listening on the radio. My prayer, Father, is that they would put their faith and trust in you and learn to rest and be still knowing you're God. And you are sure refuge. Speak to us, Word of God, Spirit of God. Help us to understand what you have written and inspired. And we ask all of this in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to stop for a moment and just consider this song from David. Some think he wrote it when he was on the run from King Saul, but more weight is given to the interpretation that most likely this is later in his life when his son Absalom wanted to be king and rebelled against his father. David's sin with Bathsheba is in the background. He had had a period where there was an anguish in his soul because of his unwillingness to repent. And God's thumb was upon him until he finally came to his senses and realized that he had sinned. That prophet Nathan pointing that out to him. He cried out to God for forgiveness and his sin was blotted out, his transgressions forgiven. Two songs were written about that, but now there's a new trouble that is before him. David had allowed some things in the kingdom to to perhaps go astray while he was uh, in, in rebellion against God in his own heart. And in that period of time, Absalom rose to the forefront. He had stolen the hearts of so many of the men of Israel. There at the gate, uh, working with them, conniving with them, all in a plot and a plan to usurp the throne. He wanted to be king. And as the conspiracy grew day by day, the hearts of men were turned away from the leadership of David. And then a rebellion was born to usurp David and cast him from his throne. This song, I believe, is written in that setting. It's written as David stops for a moment and realizes this is what has happened. And there's a word of encouragement for us today as his adversaries wanted to see him fall. He he writes and he tells us that God is our rock, a strength, our salvation, our refuge, our stronghold. All of these metaphors are written in such a way for you and I to realize that in the midst of difficulties and hardships, in the midst of when it feels like your adversary is trying to throw you down and destroy you, there is one that you and I must look to, trust in, and turn to. He's the one we should look to each and every day. In the Hebrew, you, can't, you can see this. You can't see it always in the English. But in verses 1, 2, 4, 5, 6, in verse 9, over and over again, the emphasis is not just on trusting in God, but trusting in God alone. Him only. He alone. That He is the sole source of our refuge. He is the only one that we can look to. David says, listen, don't just trust in God, trust in God alone. We trust in Christ alone. We we trust, we put our faith in Him. It's not we trust in God and then an individual. We trust in God and something we can do. We trust in God alone. And David says that's how he deals with this uprising that has come against him. And as he does that, he speaks to four different groups of people. 
He begins by speaking to his adversaries, kind of in a taunt, as he speaks to him in verses 1 through 4. He says, truly, my soul silently waits for God, for from him comes my salvation. He's my stronghold, my salvation, my defense, my rock. I shall not be greatly moved, even though, here's what you do. You attack a man. You want to see him slain, but all of you will actually die. You see him as a leaning wall or as a tottering fence. They think that they can bring the king down as they look at him. David, of course, was forced to flee because of the threats to his life. But when they perceived him, they pushed against him. They, they plotted against him and they thought, we can bring this king down. It was just as though he was standing on unstable ground, ready to be pushed over with just one finger. And yet David says, no, let me sum up the situation for you clearly. My God is my shield. My God is my stability. My God is my rock. He's my salvation. He's my refuge. My throne is permanently fixed because of the plans and purposes of God. And until God says otherwise... God will be a refuge for me. You can't throw him over. You can't destroy him. Yes, Absalom thought that. He roused the masses. He connived and had his connections established with the ruling establishment. But they could not dethrone David unless God said so. And even as the king fled and fled across the river and, and he went, he knew that God was his defense and that he would not be greatly moved. And as he speaks to them, he taunts them in some way. You try to do this. You seek my destruction. But the reality is, is you shall be slain. All of you who rise up. And it's a lesson to learn. Beloved, the plans of God are firmly fixed. You cannot change them. God has said it and that establishes it. That's it. It doesn't matter whether you and I believe it or not. When he speaks, that's it. It's his decrees that shall be accomplished because he is the sovereign God who is over all things. And what God desires will come to pass. What David knows is this. Though you seek to destroy me with your clever orchestrated plan, growing in, in, in the discontentment of the people and, 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 and trying to coordinate this, this assault on me, ultimately no, you will not win. Some would say this was the swamp before the swamp made its way to Washington, D.C. As Absalom consulted with so many, Ahithophel and others, to bring down his daddy. Now David speaks to them and reminds them, this is who my God is. And by the way, if you're going to fight against him, you're going to have to overcome him to overcome me. But then he speaks to himself in verses 5 through 7. And what's fascinating is he says the same thing again. Now, why would he do that? My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock, my salvation, my defense. He says it again, I shall not be moved. I've underlined that in verse 2 and also in verse 6. I drew a line down from those two. And then I circled all those metaphors, rock, salvation, defense. He repeats them over in verse 7. Salvation, my glory, the rock of my strength, my refuge, all of these things. Why is David saying this over and over again to himself? You know, sometimes they say, if you talk to yourself, you're a little cuckoo, right? No, it's a biblical thing to talk to yourself. These truths. To remind yourself 
of who God is, to remind yourself of what God is able to do. It's called meditation. David talked about it over in Psalm 1, right? When he meditated on truth day and night. You see, this, this idea of God being a rock is something in Torah. That this truth that God is a source of strength, a, a salvation, a, a place of refuge. He'd already written a song about that over in Psalm 46. The Lord is my refuge and strength, right? My very present help in times of trouble. David was meditating on these truths. He's meditating on this fact. Why? It's important. Listen, when it's chaos around you, you better have some solid ground to stand on in the midst of that, a sure footing as you face that. And David does that, and he's just speaking this and meditating on this truth because that's what brings peace in the storm. That's what enables us to be still. That's what he says. My, my soul... Wait patiently. Wait silently for God alone. My expectation is from Him. He, he's pouring out His soul. He's crying out to God. The temptation so oftentimes is for you and I to, to get up and get busy and do something thinking that we can fix it. When in reality, we need to first and foremost cry out to God and then rest on Him. Sometimes that my impatience uh, will cause me to want to get moving and get something done. But reality is this. I need to learn to wait on the Lord. It's a fruit of the Spirit, by the way, right? Patience. Learning to take God at His word, to pour out your soul, and then let Him work. It's good advice for us to be still. That's what he said over in Psalm 46. I mean, it felt like the mountain was falling into the sea. The waters were churning. And in the midst of that, just the reminder that his refuge was in God, his strength was in God, a shield around him, a source of strength within him, a very present help, so much so that David would be able to conclude that song saying this, be still and know that he's God. He will receive glory. He will be glorified. God is at work, not just in our personal lives, but in this world. I know that the world is trying to stir things up, right? And the devil wants you to believe, you know what? This thing is spiraling out of control. God's in complete control, beloved. And you and I, if anybody should be navigating these days right now, it's the Christian, it's the believer who knows these truths and who is standing on solid ground, resting and trusting in the God who is the one in control. David knows that. Be still. Wait patiently for him expect that when you speak to God our God hears our God works in his time not on our timetable so often we it's hard we want it to be done right away and yet God is at work he tells himself to be sure of this notice this he only verse 6 is my rock my salvation he is my defense I shall not be moved He told himself, listen, be still, wait for God. Now, be sure of this, I will not be moved. Notice how this has changed from what he said in the taunt up in verse 2. I shall not be greatly moved. Now, I shall not be moved, literally, at all. I'm not going anywhere. You know why? Because God has said, I'm here. And until God says otherwise, I'm not moved. That's what David is saying. 
Be certain of this. This is He's advancing in his faith. I mean, he's confident now because why? He's reminding himself of the stabilizing truths when you're in uncertain times that there is a God that we trust in who is our rock, our salvation, our defense, our stronghold, our strength. He says this over and over and over again. And when you do that with truth, what happens is that gives you the courage to go forward in faith. Unless Absalom can defeat and crush the solid rock who is God. Unless Absalom can cancel out the deliverance that God has promised to David. Unless God, Absalom can conquer God as David's defense. Absalom can't win. And David knows this. And you and I should know that as well. When you're one of his children, listen. We're not sitting on the throne there in Jerusalem like David was. But we are appointed for thrones. Realize that. If your life is in his hands, our God, listen, will accomplish that good work that he began in us. He will complete it. So we can be still and we can be sure and we can be strong. In God is my salvation, my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge. All of it is in God. You see, sometimes we forget we're impotent. God is omnipotent. God is almighty. We learn that attribute. We learn so many attributes about who God is and what he is like. Those things, listen, that we learned this year, they're to be etched on your heart and mind as you walk by faith, resting, trusting, entertaining, high thought of who God is, so that when the circumstances of life come against you and it comes across you and you feel like that tottering fence and you're going to be pushed over, you can stand firm, stand fast, knowing God is God. And we're not, but oh, what a God he is. And what a God to trust in. David said, listen, if God's for me, who could be against me? Right? No weapon formed against us shall prevail, beloved. We're supposed to be going forward in faith, victorious. We just sang about that. He fights for me. He always has. He always will. When we're on his side about his agenda, his plans, his purposes, living in accordance to his word, he assures us victory. Even, listen, if we die in this earth, on this earth, there's victory for us in the afterlife. What God is looking for is just a few. Will anyone stand firm, stand fast upon his word, upon what he has revealed, and be certain of victory through the precious blood of Christ? It's available for us. We don't have to live defeated lives. Paul, Paul would tell the Romans over in Romans 16. Soon God will crush Satan, that head, that snake, under your feet. It's not my power. It's not my strength. It's the strength of Almighty God. His spirit that dwells within me. And when I apply that word in my life and I rest in him, I trust in him, there is victory for us daily over sin, over this world. And we don't have to cower in fear, but we can live by faith. Knowing the one who assures us the victory. David speaks to himself. And then he says, I've got a word for the people too. Remember there was a a small group of faithful ones who followed David as he left the the palace quickly, swiftly. They put him on a donkey and boom, he was gone. Down down from Jerusalem across the the river and and quickly to Gilead. He had to get out of there because they were going to kill him. And as he went, there were uh, some faint-hearted followers who who thought, Oh my goodness, what is going to happen now? And David speaks to them. It's not a good enough message just for King David. It's a message for all of us. It was for them. Trust in him, you people. When? At all times. 
at all times. There's never a situation, there's never a time when you and I should not look up to God and call out to Him. There's no situation that you and I are in that God is not able to do something about it. And beloved, do you believe these things, these circumstances are in His hands, that your life is in His hands? David said that over in Psalm 139. Listen, if I try to flee from your presence, I go to the mountains, I go to the depths of the sea, you're there. Behold, your hands encompass me. It's like his hands are just right there, shielding, protecting David. He knew that. He sang about these truths over and over and over again. You and I should as well. Should fill our hearts and our minds with these wonderful truths and remind ourselves when adversity comes, no, I can trust in him at all times, all seasons of life. There's never a day that you're going to wake up and God's not on his throne and God is not able nor attentive to hear our cry to him and is at work. Beloved, believe that, know that. Why do we trust in him? Why do we pour out our heart before him? Because God's not just a refuge for David. He's a refuge for us. Praise God. There's enough of him for all of us this morning. Amen. Cry out to him. Now, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you did what David said? I'm not talking about trust. I'm talking about pouring out your heart. Pouring it out. So many times we keep it in, we don't mention, we don't say anything, and we just navigate life, living defeated lives, never coming and bringing the burden and laying it before the Lord, whether here on the altar or even in the closet at the house. Shutting the door and pouring out your heart before God. Beloved, his ear is attentive. Now listen, if we're living in sin, we got to deal with that first because that's like a cotton that, that, that doesn't allow that prayer to go up. We need to deal with that first and make sure our hearts and rights, our lives are right. But cry out to God. Reveal that burden to him. Pour it. You say, well, doesn't he already know? Yes, he does. But he's wanting you and I to realize that and cry out to him and ask him. And as a gentle Tender father, he loves the pleas of his children. He wants us to bring those things to him. By the way, we bring them to him because he's a good God. If he wasn't good, we wouldn't ask. But we do ask because he's good. And he has promised that for those who love him, those who are called according to his purposes, he's going to work everything together for good. So pour out your heart, bear your burden to the Lord. Here's what we do. Let's be honest. Don't show hands, please don't. And don't post this on Facebook. Because that's what we do. We'll pour out our burdens to everybody but God. He's the one we should run to. He's the refuge. He's the only one that can do anything about it. And listen, by the way, when you pour it out before him, don't then go pour it out to everybody else. That's part of pouring it out before him and leaving it with him and then going forward with confidence saying, it is in his hands. I will rest there and I will wait and I will watch and see what God does. And beloved, he works. He works through the prayers of his people. That's the economy. That's the way he set things up. We plead with him. We cry out to him. We praise him. We thank him. And, and, and as we bring those circumstances before him, he's fully aware and he's fully at work doing his purposes, his plans in his time. Pour out your heart. Bear it to the Lord and leave it with him. Believing, God, you will work out a good plan, a glorious plan, and I trust you. 
be, be disinclined to want to just spill it everywhere. Let God work. I'm guilty sometimes. I think I'll pray to him and then I'm going to make it happen. Sometimes you need to just stop. Step back. Now, if the Spirit inclines you to do something, do that. But, but, but make sure you wait on God to work. The reason we need to trust in the Lord is because we're guilty of doing what he says in verses 9 and 10. Oftentimes, we put our trust in the wrong thing. Surely men of low degree are a vapor, and men of high degree are a lie. If they're weighed on the scales, they are altogether lighter than a vapor. You see, it's, it, we trust in the wrong way when we trust in individuals. Men of low degree or high degree. It doesn't matter what their lot is in life. Their weight is the same on the scales. Zero. They're vapors. They, they, they don't have any weight to them. But our God does have weight. And in fact, he's the one that gives us life. He's the one who gives us eternal life. He's the one who secures our life. He's the one that we trust in. David says, I'm not going to trust in men. That's what we do. He says, don't trust in might. That's the power. Notice this. Do not trust, verse 10, in oppression. What is oppression? Nor vainly hope in robbery. These are those who think they can accomplish things with power. And that through their power, that will bring them security. That will bring them refuge. And, and, and some think that even political power is always the answer. And it's not. It is when you trust in the king of kings. Right? Because he's the ultimate power we should trust in. He's the one who's sovereign over all those who are in appointed places of authority. But he's the one that we trust in. Hey, don't trust in money. Look at this. If riches increase, don't set your heart on them. That's what you learn over in Proverbs when it says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are saved. But the next verse highlights the alternative. The rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high, high wall is his own esteem. You see, riches are not something we trust in. Money can, can grow wings and fly away, and, and it's a danger for us to think that our money, our might, those things, or even other men are able to be refuge for us. God, and God alone, is our sure refuge. And finally... He addresses God. And this is what he says. And this is why he tells us. This is critical to understand. Why we trust in God. You see, verse 11. I underline this. God has spoken once. Twice I have heard this. God speaks. That settles it. It isn't God's, sp you ever seen that bumper sticker? God, sp God said it, I believe it, and that settles it? It's wrong. God said it, that settles it. Whether you and I believe it or not. The almighty God who has spoken has settled all things. Where has he spoken? Is there anywhere that I can figure out where he's spoken? Is there any reason why I take him at his word? How many times has he spoken? He's spoken one time. It's all written down right here for us. This word is ultimate. It reveals him. It reveals what he is able to do. It's why we study his essence, his attributes. It's why we study and learn who he is and what he's like. Because God speaks to me. And, and he's not a God I see. He's a God I hear. And faith comes by hearing. And I have to believe what God says. And I have to put my faith in it. And when I do, he works. He works powerfully. And, and he says it. David says, he speaks once, but I've heard it twice. We need to hear it two or three times. 
four times, five times, 500 times. It's just the opposite in parenting, right? I say it, what, two, three, four, five times to the kids and hope that they hear it once, right? It's just the opposite with God's children. God speaks once, that settles it. I need to hear it. I need to meditate on it. Psalm 1 over and over and over again. Spirit of God, write this on my heart. Chisel it there. Let this truth be there so that I will never be shaken. I will stand firm knowing the one in whom I have trusted. Knowing who he is and what he's like. God speaks. And here's what he says. This is what David heard. What? That power belongs to God. And also to you, O Lord, belongs Mercy. I circled that word power and I circled that word mercy. Why? Why power? Why mercy? Why are those two things significant? Well, here's what God wants you to know. He's the Almighty. He can do whatever He wants to do, beloved. He has the power to do anything and change any circumstance, any situation on the world that He made. And that power, listen, it's important for me to know this. And I'm impotent, He's omnipotent, and I trust in him and as the almighty god he's got the muscle and the might to see it through but why his mercy it's actually a hebrew word that suggests it's hesed his faithful love it's the vows that a a man gives to his brides it's his covenant love that he promises a love that never ends a love that is always enduring no matter what the situation god's a refuge because he's got all the might And he loves us. Now, beloved, stop and think for just a moment. Why would that be critical? Because you see, when you and I go through difficult, trying circumstances, just as King David was going through, fleeing for his life, it is possible you could question, does God have any power to do anything about this? And the devil will try to get you to think that. Get you to doubt God. Get us to question God. Get us to wonder whether God can do anything or not. Beloved, he can do all things. Our God can do all things. Nothing is impossible with Him. And see, He'll also get us to question, does God really love you? Allowing that to happen in your life? Why would He allow that to happen? He must not love you anymore. But see, the answer from the New Testament is this. For the believer, what can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Nothing. Paul says clearly in Romans 8, That nothing can separate us from God's love that he has shown us in Christ Jesus. When you have repented of your sins and placed your faith and trust in Christ alone and found refuge in him, the one who can deliver you from the penalty for your sins and the one who can bring security eternally in your life. When you trust in him, the Bible says that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That nothing will separate us from his great love that he has shown us at Calvary. He's demonstrated that love just how much he loves us and that Christ died for us that's the good news and I know this to be true God has spoken it once I need to hear it twice three times four times five times five thousand times our God is almighty our God is a loving merciful faithful covenant loving kind of God when you realize that you know no matter what happens You know what? It's first filtered through his powerful hands. And these powerful hands, they're able to work it together for good. Even if it's not a good experience, I can trust him. And those caring, those hands are loving, compassionate, merciful, faithful hands. You see, all of these things are just tied to the attributes that we've studied all year. This is our God. But also know this about God. 
It's what he says here at the last verse. Remember, you render to each one according to his work. You see, one day it's going to be revealed, it's going to be exposed what you and I have trusted in, who we have trusted in. Everyone, if we've trusted in our own abilities, God will repay us for our works. You don't want that payment, not trusting in Him. You don't want that payment because there's no hope there. That, that payment is not mercy. That payment is justice from a holy God. When when as a sinner, I look to the cross and I see a Savior who died for me and I plead for mercy and it comes through the grace and mercy of God into my life and I put my security in Him, my trust in Him as my refuge, as my security. If I spend my life trying to live in my own security or in the wealth that I have, that security, or some individual other than Christ, one day I'll be returning, repaid for what? I have done, not trusting in the only one who can give me ultimate security. The good news is if I turn today to the refuge God provides at the cross of Christ, then I can find refuge. I can find strength. I can find power. I can find everything that I need to have peace in life moving forward, no matter what the world might throw at me. And these exhortations, these are given So that we'll live with conviction that that God is our refuge. Listen, this is just something that believe that I hold on to. This is something that grips us, that we know. It's why we're able to go out into a dark world around us and bring the light of the gospel to them. It's why we go forward knowing that ultimately our God wins. Knowing that even when lies are concocted and, and there's those who want to bring down, especially God's anointed ones, the amazing thing is this, ultimately truth triumphs. We win. Living with that assurance every day. Feeling like a tottering fence today, like a leaning wall, like someone's just going to knock you over. Make certain that you are standing securely on God's word, on God's truth. Standing refuged in Him. The circumstances around you, listen, that are bent on bringing us down. And trust me, in 2024, this world in its animosity towards believers only increases. Beloved, listen, it's going to get darker and darker and darker until Christ appears. Just read Revelation. My goodness, it's coming. But we live with confidence each and every day going forward in faith, knowing that greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. The assurance of victory. The problem isn't this, that we don't trust God. We trusted in God to be saved. The problem is sometimes we don't trust in him alone for what we face in life. And what he's telling us and telling you and telling me over and over and over again. God has demonstrated that he's a refuge. He's demonstrated he is a solid rock. He's demonstrating he's one you and I should trust in. The question is, are we doing that today? Is that evident? I mean, it's evident by, listen, how we pour out our burdens sometimes. I mean, just stop for a moment and reflect. When's the last time I did cry out to God? When's the last time I just laid it before him and left it with him? And then say, oh, no, let me pick this up and carry it with me another mile. You don't have to do that. Pour it out. Leave it there. And that's the invitation that we have today. I mean, you entered in. Some of you entered in. you got some heavy burdens that you're carrying. And, and you don't have to carry those. You can leave them with the Lord. You don't have to fret. You don't have to fear. But you can have faith. Knowing that the God that is for us. Listen, if he's for us, who can be against us? Let's trust him. Let's believe. Let's enter a new year and all the opportunities that he presents to us, choosing to believe he's worthy of trusting in.